Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, October 20th, in the year 2022, this is the Mike Abadir Show. I am your host, Mike Abadir. Hope everyone is having a tremendous week. And uh, I know that many of you might be aware of this, but for those who are not, today is a sports equinox. Yeah, you heard me right. Sports equinox. Now, what the hell is a sports equinox? It's actually a very rare occurrence. It's only happened like a few times in history where every single major American sport has a game on the same day. Now, if you're thinking about it and you're like, well, that's had to have happened before. No, it actually hasn't because the NBA typically didn't start this early. So you didn't have any regular season games. You had preseason games. But tonight we have MLB League Championship Series is going on. We've got Thursday night football between the Cardinals and the Saints. We've got uh, several NBA games, regular season action. We got the NHL going tonight, and we even have MLS playoffs. That, my friends, is the sports equinox. It's a very rare occurrence, like I said. So there's something for everybody tonight. And there's even like horse racing, which there basically is every single day. But we've got a whole slew of sporting events to choose from. Tough to figure out which ones to watch. For me, I'm going to start with the League Championship Series, of course, because uh, I love baseball and we're down to our final four. So that's going to be um, on, on, on my TV. And then on my laptop, I'll have the uh, Cardinals and Saints game going until the, the baseball game ends or whichever one ends. Obviously, then the other one will be on the main screen here in uh, my household. What about you guys? What are you guys watching? I know a lot of you are in fantasy football, so you're going to have one eye on that, of course, and looking at the stat sheet. We'll talk a little bit about tonight's game, but not too much because I know many of you guys listen on demand over the weekend when tonight's game will be um, history by the time that you get to it and you you start watching uh, or listening, excuse me. So all I'll say is this. There is a little bit of panic, I think, in Arizona land with the Cardinals because they should have like a really, really powerful offense. They should be putting up a lot of points, and they're not. Their offense has been out of sync the whole year up until this point. Definitely looks like they're underperforming, underachieving. And I know they've got some histories. You know, and like I said, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Cardinals, but their offense has been really, really um, abysmal so far. Has not had any rhythm, and they've had Kyler Murray bailed them out a couple of times uh, just with his uh, escapability and, and running for first downs on fourth and two or whatever. And 
he's he's almost single-handedly been able to win them a couple games but i know that pop is going to agree with me the biggest issue in arizona land is their head coach and he's been on him he's been on cliff for a long time and i was more inclined to give him a chance but pop cliff clingsbury is the weakest link in arizona man i i think uh, i think they may need a different voice there what say you well, why don't we look at this stat right here? Since they went eight and zero last year, they've won five games since that point. I think <laughs> not even five. Yeah, it's four games since that point, Mike. So you have to put that into fruition that they were seen as the creme de la creme. This team is going to be so good, blah 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 blah. Because they weren't just beating teams last season in the first half of the year. They were smoking teams in in that point. They crushed the Rams in L.A. They crushed the Browns, who were supposed to be a really good team uh, last year as well, too. And, you know, they were doing this, like, consecutively. They And I kept saying to myself, well, once they figure out what they're really doing and one of these guys get hurt, say J.J. Watt, then we'll have ourselves an issue. Once again, J.J. Watt gets hurt. He can't finish the season. And here we go again. Arizona Cardinals wind up just being absolutely awful the second half of the season, and they haven't picked up from that point yet. I know they're saying Hopkins will probably be a big uplift to him and everything like that, but it can't say Kingsbury's job at this point, in my opinion, because he already lost the quarterback this summer. Really, he lost the quarterback when the season was over. And, you know, Kyler Murray – from what I heard, little grumblings was asking for a trade, but they kept things very under wraps and, you know, they made sure they got him all his money and all that good stuff, but there's some guarantees that go there. And that's why there's the coaches that has the pressure on him because coach was putting a lot of things on Kyler and he wasn't giving Kyler the best chance to win there at the end, how I'm feeling. And I think that I told you guys this and, even on my show, NFL Bet Exchange, I told Jeff early in the year that this could, these cut, these guys are playing to get this guy fired. And I saw that week one when they really didn't show a great effort against the Chiefs because this team should be way better than they've been showing uh, this season. And I think that we can all agree on that part. Yeah, and look, let's face it, man. You, you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins coming coming back into the lineup. Um, who who knows how he's going to look right now? But all I know is this: we haven't really seen Houston Texans DeAndre Hopkins in a few years. I mean, he's not the dominant guy he once was, and a lot of times when that happens, they don't magically just come back to being their dominant self again, right? The best days are 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 behind him. Uh, that's in my opinion. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be a great help uh, because they had uh, Marquise Brown anyways. Hollywood was tearing it up, you know, top five and almost every single wide receiver column anyways. So that wasn't the issue. I think uh, I think they needed a new voice, my friend. So we'll, we'll leave it there and we'll keep moving on. As I said at the top of the show, today is a sports equinox, very rare occurrence where we have Every single major sport playing on the same day, regular season or playoff games, doesn't happen very often. I think it's been over 40 years since we've had it. And like I said, the main reason for that is because nowadays Thursday night football is a fixture and the NBA is starting earlier than it used to. I remember Halloween was kind of the time that the NBA would kind of typically start. So we're we're looking at, you know, the 
18th, 19th, 20th for these teams to get on the hardwood. And we'll get back to the league championship series in a few moments here. But I did want to spend a little bit of time talking NBA because I don't know shit about the NBA. Uh, just being very candid here, but my man Pops does. And so while I've got him with us, I want to take advantage and get his predictions. Get your predictions, Pop, on you know, who are who are going to be the last two or three standing in each conference. So have at it, my friend. You know what? The NBA is a funny place right now, man, because there's a lot. I don't think that the, the it's the, I don't think they're so worried about the play on the court. They're all worried about what how people look, how much money this guy got. The NBA is really, really, really to me has hit the wall because they are the only sport that has literally the whole world in their hands, but they keep dropping the ball because I think that we don't have that official official guy to really changing of the guard with LeBron. Everybody would say, well, Curry. No, it's not going to be Curry because Curry's been playing it. Curry's not that much younger than LeBron. And I feel like Curry is in the Bill Russell category of people, not ring-wise, but just winner-wise, is that, you know, the guy's done some good winning, but they didn't win right away. You know what I mean? So they kind of – were able to inherit a bad NBA. Even though the NBA is at its best skill-wise, it's at its worst when it comes to the actual game of basketball. Because you have guys settling for threes, you got guys really not playing defense anymore, and it just really takes away from the whole aspect of team basketball when they're saying, well, Luka lost the lead last night. How did Luka lose the lead? He had four other guys playing with him. But let me go ahead and get to answer the question. And that's what I gave you the answer of knowing why people are, are just right now with basketball. Hey, I don't know what I'm watching because you've been watching LeBron for the last 20 years. And it's like, hey, but uh, it's about time to walk down the road. I know that you're looking great and looking good, but can somebody else have a turn? Well, I'll be honest with you. The Lakers don't have a shot because they have nobody after Westbrook, AD, and LeBron. And this is coming from a Laker lifer, okay? This is – I'm not a Laker hater. I'm a Laker. I'm an actual Laker, Laker for real, for real. And But I've never been to the point to where I can be stupid about the Lakers either. You know what I mean? And right after what I saw the other night was I, didn't, I couldn't even name half those guys. Um, I would say this. The title is for the Warriors to lose. Let's just keep it real right now. And I think they'll still – and I think this year the Warriors do fall short. And I like Boston there at the end, but there's a lot of options, Mike. There's a lot of options. I will say this. The Warriors are the – are probably the one team that you see as a solid being in the finals. Then I will say this. The team that could beat the Warriors this year, if they can stay healthy and John Moran can be there at, the, at this time, is the Grizzlies. And then if it's not these two teams, hey, believe it or not, they could probably make themselves a nice little deal here midseason. And I like Dallas because Luka, uh, Luka is a gamer. Even though they lost the other night, he's still a gamer. And I think that his game is speaks to that Larry Bird volume of things in today's NBA. He's not like Larry Legend, but it's like that. But I think that the East Eastern Conference will probably be hoisting up the championship at the end of the day because I think that that conference is a little bit deeper. And I will say this. I will say that Milwaukee, because they have Giannis, he'll be around. 
And I would say another team that you got to watch out for who should be good and probably make a pretty good trade at some point this season, the Miami Heat. And then we'll go ahead and we'll finish it off with it's not going to be the Brooklyn Nets because they're in the same situation as the Lakers where you got three superstars and a bunch of nobodies. So, um, that well, let me team. let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this. The, the, the NBA as we know it is the most – prone to having the favorites be their dead right but every few years there's kind of a surprise team you know a few years back maybe phoenix before everybody knew that they were good uh the nuggets are there any potential besides the 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 favorites and i agree with you i mean it looks on paper like a, a boston and, and and golden state uh finals uh, but that's what they ha have to play for, which so we could find out. But there's a lot of storytelling along the way to be done. And when they, uh, when you look back at 2022, this is the year that blank emerged. Fill in the blank. Are you with me, Pop? I think we may have had a drop off on Pop. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Okay, I don't know if you heard my question or not, but who will be the team that kind of emerges this year as the uh, surprise team? Oh, well, um, I was going to give you my other team that I felt was coming out the East, but I like the Sixers, but I'll tell you this, a team that can surprise you this year. Oh, man. You know what? I don't know, Mike, to be honest with you. Um, I will say this, and I know I didn't mention them, but – the Clippers can mess around and just go ahead and take the whole thing because I guess it might be the eyeball year of them all. You know what I mean? You got the San Diego Padres. I know that you're not – you are antsy to get on me about that one because you were totally on the money about that. But I think with the Padres getting their little little nice win and of the series, I think the Clippers might have a good shot at just doing it, doing the whole thing, man, because it will be a surprise if the Clippers won a championship because we know who the Clippers are. But the Clippers have the same type of uh, situation going that the Padres uh, got going. You got some of the best basketball – you got some of the best players in the league, and you got motivation, and you got an owner who's rich who's going to back you up, and then you can make good deals happen as well too because you still have Jerry West in the room. I, I didn't mean to cut you off earlier when you were about to talk a little bit about the Sixers. Did you have anything more to add to the Sixers conversation? I mean, are they a legitimate title contender? What has to happen for them to contend in the East? Oh, Mike, you good, baby. What you call? Don't worry about that part. You know, uh, um, I have to answer. We all want to know who the dog going to be, right? But Yeah, of course. I would say this. The reason why I put the Sixers up there is because Embiid is – if when you should look at the players who are really top five in the league, Embiid's right up there, man. And you can put him at any at any number. And I think that this year, possibly, if he can stay healthy for at least eighty percent of the season, he can be the MVP and he can have put up some of the best numbers for a season uh, for a center in a while. And he already did that somewhat last year, but I think that he can he can go ahead and add on to that this year. And I think that they got more motivation this year because James Harden is back in shape and James Harden has an actual big man to go ahead and go to be complimented with him as well, too. You know, I like, I like the way you phrase that um, because I'm going to tell you my pet peeve. You didn't do this. Okay. But so many do. You took a player who's got maybe a, a injury history and you said, if we could get 80% of a season out of him. And I love that you did that. My pet peeve, what I hate is 
the disclaimer that everybody uses. I don't know why people even waste their time on it, where they're going to be, if this team is healthy, stays healthy, they're going to be in the final. Well, no, no kidding. If any team stays healthy, why does everybody need to keep repeating that whenever they make a prediction? If this team stays healthy. That's kind of like a given. It's so redundant. Like, any team has to stay healthy to, like, win. Of course, my prediction is going to be contingent on this team having their superstar player or their quarterback or their best pitcher. Yeah, it's kind of like no shit. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It's a pet peeve of mine. Maybe it shouldn't irritate me as much. But I like that you did it the right way because you're talking about a specific person who's got some history. So, and you gave a target number. And I love that. And I wish that more of these so-called professional commentators and experts would do that. If you're going to make that kind of preface, let's get specific about it. What do you need out of them in order to win? We don't need to always give that disclaimer about the injuries and blah, 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 to make your prediction come to fruition. So like I said, maybe it doesn't bug other people. It kind of bugs me. I think it's a waste of time, which may, probably means it's a waste of time for me to even talk about it a little bit. So uh, with that said, Pop, let's take a quick commercial timeout right now. When we come back, we'll talk about the league championship series in the American League and the National League. Of course, you got the hated Yankees against the cheating Astros. That's kind of the narrative, right? And then we got the the team that struck lightning in a bottle with the Phillies and then the team that slayed the Dodgers. I know we're going to talk about that for a little bit because last show had not yielded a winner of that series yet. Now we've seen it, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on where do the Dodgers go from here. Stay with us, everyone. We will be back after a quick commercial timeout. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. We were just about to get started with the Dodger Blues. We're going to talk a little bit about each of the series is, uh, because these are the teams that are the, uh, amongst the, the final four, the last four teams standing. But Pop's a big Dodger fan. He's been on them for a long time in terms of their goal is to win the World Series. Nothing else would make this a success this year. I was about to say before we went to commercial break, even if they got to the League Championship Series, you know, one could make a case or if they lost in the World Series, but to lose in their first round playoff series against a team that they've dominated. I mean, they've whooped up on for a long time. And we've talked about it for for a couple of seasons now where I've kind of been on the Padres and waiting for them and waiting for them and waiting for them. And it's kind of crazy that they did it when Tatis wasn't in the lineup. But the one thing I'll say about this is the one thing that I was repeating all year long, Pop, and you know this. If you can't, like, where are Muncie and Turner and Taylor and all these guys that they've relied on for so many years and Bellinger? You know, to me, you can't have a third or 40% of your lineup slump all year long, continue to slump in the playoffs, and expect to win. They never fixed those holes. And I don't know why they, they slumped all year long like that. I don't know why Muncie was hitting in the 190s, Bellinger and all these guys. But to me, I kind of felt like in the playoffs, you kind of have to have a one through nine. You know, you can't be like hitting one through four, or one through five and expect to win. That to me was the fatal flaw of the Dodgers, in my opinion. What say you? I just think that the Dodgers, you know, the Dodgers did a lot of it. The Dodgers just kept going on streaks, Mike. It was like, okay, win 15 in a row, then lose one, then lose, win another seven in a row, then lose one, and win another eight in a row. The Dodgers wasn't having enough time where they was just getting – having a 10-game stretch where they went three and seven. And, okay, what do we need to fix? Because they was always finding fixes. But I'm going to tell you this. There were certain series in the season that said – this Dodger team could be in trouble when we get to the late, to the playoffs. The Guardian series where they got swept. And it was another series that they had with the I think it was the Pirates as well, too, where they got swept. Uh, or the Pirates took two out of three early in the season. And I said, see, these are the type of situations that the Dodgers get into. They can't score, they can't do anything right. And if this happens to a really good team at this point in which it's going to be, it's not going to be good for them. And I just really feel that the Dodgers hitters let down everybody. You were right on the money about that, Mike. I know that they want to blame Kershaw for game two. That wasn't Kershaw's issue because Kershaw gave up three runs. They had three runs and then the bullpen didn't do what did, didn't do their job. And the, and hitters didn't step up game three. I will say this game three, the Dodgers just, it just was a well-pitched game on both sides. And I think that going with Goslin at that point wasn't a good. I think possibly could have went with Anderson 
and because Anderson was so good in game four. And that's where you have your biggest issue with Dave Roberts at is that why would you take out a pitcher who had six strikeouts, he only gave up two hits, and was literally doing whatever he wanted to the Padres for that point in time. And that would have been a great story for after the game, say Anderson pitches eight innings and the Dodgers shut him out. You know what I mean? No. What happened was is that you gave the Padres an opportunity to have this miracle finish, and they looked just like your Red Sox from when they won that championship a few years uh about a decade ago where they kept making these monster comebacks at Fenway. And that's what you're, you're starting to feel a little bit with the Padres is that they got this major league mentality where they had this fan base that has never really had anything to really clap for. Now it's like, wow, we, we, we're going to beat everybody. And I think that they ran into probably an even tougher series now dealing with the Phillies. And the Dodgers were not going to have it easy going against the Phillies either. But this is the one fact that I put out. There were four teams that went over 100 games. There's only one of them left, and that's the Astros. The three teams that won 100 games in the in the NL all got put out. Mets got put out first, then the Braves got put out, and then the Dodgers got put out. And that just goes to show you that these teams dominated all season, and they did really well. But once again, baseball is a sport of where, where, what are we doing now? And the Phillies and Padres had to fuck, had to literally fight scrap for the playoffs. That's why they're sitting in the NLCS, and that's why those teams that have all these great records are sitting at home because they want to coast at a time where you might need to go a little harder. And the Mets and Braves actually wound up being in a pretty bad situation where. Uh, they had to play each other the final weekend to settle the uh, East as well, too. So, you know, these teams were – I think these all three of those teams were just dog-tired. Their best players were just kind of through. And I would say this, the most consistent team in reality the whole season has been the Astros. There's not been one point where the Astros just were that. And the Astros have really – the Astros really made sure that, okay – we're going to have to say the Astros really took care of their business, dude, because they should have been, they should kind of still be in the series with Seattle, but they were able to, to find ways to win every single one of those games. And that's where they have the advantage over everybody at this point to me. There are, they are play, probably, probably playing the most, the best example of playoff baseball at this point. But all in all, I know it's about the Dodgers. The Dodgers are going to be the Dodgers. And this isn't about the Dodgers being the Buffalo Bills and the Dodgers being the – who else did they want to compare them to? Um, the Atlanta Braves. The bums have always been the bums, okay? The Dodgers were – in Brooklyn, the Dodgers used to go through this every single year losing to the Yankees. Or then the Giants might get them. You know what I mean? The Dodgers have never been a conducive winning franchise. They're not the Lakers. They don't have 17 ranks. They have six. The Dodgers are, uh, are a house of, uh, of failures. And everybody knows that. And that's what makes the Dodgers, Dodgers so fun and lovable is that they're the bums. You know what I mean? And this is in Dodger fashion, this happening. You know what I mean? If if we were talking to some old cats from Brooklyn right now, oh, that's just the Dodgers for you. So it is what it is at the end of the day, Mike. Let's talk about these matchups then. And I think you kind of hinted about the Astros 
they've been the most consistent team all season long. You know, I don't remember any big losing streaks. The team has always has somebody to pick them up if one of the guys is slumping. But man, maybe two of the most underrated superstars, maybe in all of sports, are Jordan Alvarez and uh and my, my man, uh, why am I blanking on his name? See, that's how underrated he is. I'm blanking on his name. But let's just start with Jordan Alvarez. This guy is the real deal. He's kind of like Big Poppy 2.0. You know, he's clutch as can be. When you look at the hits he gets, they're almost always in a meaningful situation. And to me, that's exactly what you're looking for in your left-handed slugger if he's going to carry the team is somebody that can really come through in, under the most tense of circumstances and he's as, as, as uh, my man Stuart scott used to say cool as the other side of the pillow you know what i mean um so that's to me that's a beautiful thing and when you look at his postseason the number of rbis he's got you know he's he's been killing it the other player that was at the tip of my tongue, and for some reason I just couldn't get it out, is Kyle Tucker. This guy had a monster year, another 30 home run guy, another 100 RBI guy. In a in a year where 100 RBIs were kind of evasive for a lot of people, there were some teams that didn't even have a 100 RBI guy on, on the team. Uh, and if they did, only one guy. But this guy, Kyle Tucker, the right fielder, tall, skinny dude with loads of power. I haven't even talked about their pitching yet, Pop. But they have the most consistent starting rotation. Their bullpen's lights out. I don't see any holes. And even the one rookie that they played, Pena, this guy's a stud. He's going to be a really good shortstop. He's the reason that they didn't have to sign Carlos Correa. So Jeremy Pena is doing his thing, man. Um, Gurriel, Altuve, Bregman. I could go on and on. Probably the best pitcher left standing in the postseason is Verlander. So I don't see how this team can be beat. Um, the Yankees were carried by by Judge, man. I mean, I don't think they even make the playoffs. If, if you put anybody else in center field or right field outside of Judge, I don't think they even get to the playoffs, Pop. I really don't. Well, you know, the, the, the Yankees went into the All-Star break with the best record in baseball. And they won 45 games after that, I think. Possibly. You know what I mean? They only won so many games in the second half of the season. So they had a, a below 500 record. You know, so that is very true about the Yankees that there could have been a point to where the Yankees didn't do that well in the first half and they would have missed the playoffs or they would have been had to get through the back door like everybody else. But they played in a division where literally the whole division could have went to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Everybody. I, uh, even your Red Sox could have uh, competed in the Central, at least. Yeah, that's you know? very true. What you're saying about the Astros is too true. The, the Astros and the Dodgers have built their teams somewhat the same way, but the Astros really took advantage of the farm system just like the Dodgers did. But the Astros have made it to where all these guys were pretty much homegrown guys that play for them. So, these guys, when Carrera moves on, it's okay because they have somebody to replace that. The Astros are the ones that gave out the blueprint on how to operate your teams in the future of baseball with the salary cap. 
these teams that overspend these 250 300 million dollar contracts things like that but they're giving out 13 year deals that's the the way that you can hold on to the superstars but the what the astros are doing is they're signing these guys the big lucrative deals when they're in the minor leagues already because they're betting on these guys to be really good players moving forward so they really do look at their stats they really do crunch the numbers and then they go in the same way as the Oakland A's do when it comes to deciding if we're going to keep this guy or move on from this guy. If they know they have somebody down at the farm that's going to be the equivalent of what this guy was moving forward, then let that guy move on down the road. That's just smart baseball in a sense. And that's why I said that the Astros had to be bad for a long time for them to understand how to do that. That's a whole system that they put together. They have a whole ESPN article about that situation as well, too. It was so good. The St. Louis Cardinals had to steal had to steal uh, information from them. So, you know, the Astros are have a lot of smart people that are that are a part of that organization right now, and they that's sure do. Why, that's why they're able to move the way that they move. Yes, they had to get rid of their manager, but then they were able to get an even better manager in Dusty Baker. You know what I mean? And Dusty Baker, it's like when – I would say this. This is like when Tony Dungy got to the Colts. You know, he didn't have to do much but be, the, but be him. And pretty much that's that's what the, the Astros are looking at. And the Astros this time around, nobody's mad at them anymore because of who their manager is. They know that Dusty got some real integrity and Dusty's not going to be letting people hit drums and do all this crazy stuff in the uh, dugout. But let me say this as as a, as a real baseball fan, because I love my Dodgers. But let's I I love baseball too, okay? And let's be realistic. It doesn't really matter about signs, signs stealing. It really doesn't because everybody steals signs. Let me give you this. I know nobody brought it up, but why does Juan Soto have always have so? Why does every guy batting after Juan Soto have so much success after the Dodgers? And he's always playing around and shit on second base when you see him. Nobody's ever said, oh, is he is he stealing signs? You know what I mean? I always feel like he, he's throwing out a sign to this guy when he's on second base against the Dodgers. But nobody else has brought that up because that's how baseball works. It's a, it's a thinking man's game. So cheating going on in baseball, oh, that happens literally every game. But everybody don't – but you have to be able to catch up with the 100-mile-per-hour fastball to hit the home run as well too. You know what I mean? Guys tip their pitches all the time. So I'm just saying this, that that was a, it was a sorry-ass excuse for Dodgers and Dodger fans. The Dodgers had an opportunity to win the, win the World Series. They lost the game two to zip, okay? You didn't even lose the game by that much. You lost the game two to zip. So were they pitching the signs to the pitchers that shut you down? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that's – I saw, watched the whole game. The Dodgers played like they were in Little League that day. Literally, they were pitching well, but they were hitting like little, like little leaguers. You know what I mean? They were so intim- intimidated, so scared. They, it was almost like they kept feeling like a fan rally was going to – they kept looking for that fan rally. Even the fans were dejected by the fourth inning, and it wasn't even – the Dodgers weren't even losing by that much. They just knew that the Dodgers did not have the body language of somebody who wanted to win the World Series. Okay, I completely agree with you. You know what I mean? And then the next year when your Red Sox come in here, Mike, they – literally got their pants uh they literally got pants in uh boston they never recovered they had a long ass uh win that they got off a muncie home run 
But then Boston just went ahead and the Dodgers had an opportunity to beat them as well, too. But then Boston just went ahead and figured out a way to bust up the uh, the uh, closer at the end of that night. So that's what happened. Boston wins two games in a row. Now they're the World Series champions because the Dodgers, once again, when it came to the closeout game, the Dodgers just did not have the spirit. Okay? So I completely agree with everything that you're saying. 100%. I put that always on the Dodgers for losing both of those World Series. Stop saying that people were still in science because that's baseball. You have to be able to to make sure that you catch th- these things and you report you report that during the game. You don't report that three uh, months after the game or weeks after the game. You go right to the umpire and say, "Man, we got something funny going on over here with this team." You know what I mean? Like why? Like we need to cut that out real quick. You know what I mean? But banging on the drums, all that stuff. You know, after a while, you it, it, you guys should catch the signal, what they're doing. Okay, and so at the end of the day, you ain't got nobody to blame but yourself. Totally right, man. I, I thought that it was a very whiny excuse from everybody because you, you hit on the nail. They're, cheating is allowed. It's been going on forever. It's just that method of cheating is, is not is forbidden. So are you telling me you're cool with cheating using method A, but not with method B? And that that's why they lost the series? Come on, man. Uh, you know, I call BS on that. I remember the most whiny about it, unfortunately, was Gino. And him and I got into it on the air a few times. It was like, come on, man. They, you can't cheat your way into hitting the ball. You can't cheat your way into pitching. You can't cheat your way to have the Dodgers' bats go silent. It's just not possible. So, you know, I think it's kind of a, a, a BS excuse, in my opinion. Let's shift over to the NL real fast. We talked a little bit about the Astros, a lot about the Astros and the Yankees. Um, this Padres series, it's kind of a toss-up, man, because you have a really hot Phillies team just peaking at the right time. And I kind of feel bad for Joe Girardi because, you know, I don't know if the new voice was what they needed or not, but it kind of sucks to see your, your team go on a run after you're gone. It's got to be a, uh, you know, a... a, a a killer inside, you know what I mean? Where you're like, man, was it me? Is it, is that why they went on a run? Because I'm gone? So I, I think you're only human if you think that way. Uh, but the Padres have exercised their, their demons by getting past their division rival, up the I-5, up the 405. And that's something that they weren't expected to do. They were heavy underdogs. They did it. But we're past that series now. They got clubbed in game one. It looked like it was going down the same path in game two. But, man, their bats woke up in the fifth inning and, and beyond, put up an eighth spot against the uh, against Nola, the brother of a Padre, and they got the win to split the series. I don't know where it goes from here, Pop. I mean, I think it's a really, really tough series. I'm still going to give the edge to the Padres because I think overall they're a better team, especially defensively than the Phillies. We're going to go to a commercial break in a second here, but who do you think wins the series from here? Well, we'll see how it goes in Philadelphia because we got to travel back east. And at this point in time, as hot as the Padres are, the Phillies are hot too. So the Phillies were really lights out at home, man. They really crushed on the Braves. And they took, they really rocked two, two of the better pitchers in the, in the whole majors. 
So I I don't know what they're presenting from the Padres, but I know they're not better than the guys that the Braves had. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Mark. One last question, then we go to commercial. Who does MLB want? It's probably got to be the Yankees and Phillies, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, I think I think that's without well, a doubt the the World Series that they're looking for. But um, when, but when it comes down to fan 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 viewership, where the fans would probably be very intrigued, they would love to see the Padres and the Astros because they got exciting players on both sides. Couldn't agree with you anymore. Let's take our final time out. We'll talk some NFL Week Seven right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy plus you get to take advantage of some great member benefits get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels keep track of your favorite episodes shows and hosts in your own customizable library Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. Voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. We're talking about week seven in the National Football League with Pop DiBiase and the one thing that I see about this week, Pop, is that the best teams, at least record-wise, aren't playing this week. And I'm talking about the Bills, the Vikings, the Eagles, and the Rams uh, are all on buys. What, what do we have left? The week starts with the Saints and Cardinals tonight, and it ends with the Bears and the Patriots on Monday night. And in the middle, it's kind of a lot of non-intriguing matchups unless you're a fantasy player or a better Right, you don't have this matchup that's like, oh, I gotta sit down and watch this one. I think the exception, if there are two exceptions, maybe it would be the Chiefs and Niners. That's got a little bit of intrigue. That it should be a fun matchup to watch. And then on Sunday Night Football, a very rare appearance by the Dolphins. 
I read an article the other day that they are the least team to be featured on Sunday Night Football, uh, which is kind of surprising to hear. But now that I think about it, it's true. They have not been on NBC's Sunday Night Football telecast like at all, hardly. I can't even remember when's the last time. So they're going to have that historical matchup, Dolphins and the Steelers, two teams with rich histories from the, dating back to the 70s when they'd beat up on each other. It seemed like it was either the Steelers, the Dolphins, or the Raiders were in every Super Bowl during that time period, 70s uh, up to the mid-80s. Um, but otherwise, man, we got a lot of junk. Falcons and Bengals. You got a bunch of three and three teams playing a bunch of three and three teams. That's basically what what it amounts to because most of the league is is around, right around that three and three mark. But you got the uh, Packers and the Commanders, the Colts and the Titans, uh, the Cowboys against the Lowly Lions. And it's kind of funny. It seems like because they were on hard knocks, a lot of people were all about the Lions going into this year. But they're one and four people. They're nothing to be excited about. But unfortunately, I think where we're going to start this conversation is with another one and four team, which is the Raiders. This is kind of a must win, in my opinion, Pop, because if they could get to two and four, they get a little bit of breathing room, exhale opportunity. No way if they go to one and five. I mean, stick a fork in this season. But if they could get to two and four, Pop, now you have a part of the schedule which isn't that tough. If you can get past the Texans, which I think they should, you got the Saints, Jaguars, Colts, Broncos, who are down this year, Seahawks, I don't even know what to make of them, Chargers, Rams, who are having a down year, New England's having a down year, Pittsburgh is definitely having a down year. So you don't have a tough matchup, really, until Week 17 and 18 against the Niners and the Charge, uh, and the Chiefs. This is the stretch, Pop. This is when they got to do it. Coming off their bye week, it starts Sunday, man. What say you? I'm not worried about the Raiders, man. I think the Raiders – let me tell you something. The Raiders probably play the – this is going to sound nuts, but the Raiders play probably the hardest-fought five games you could ever play. It could go – it could have went either way, Mike. There wasn't one game where they weren't were, were just totally blown away, okay? The Raiders could easily be 5-0. and if they would have just did things the right way, you know, in, in all these games, you know what I mean? Except for the one exception of winning a game, you know what I mean? And, you know, they got that win because they were able to beat a team that they're used to beating the Broncos. But I just go back to the Tennessee game should have won that one. You go back to the, even the opener, there were so many mistakes made, but the chargers were still giving them opportunities to win that game. Also should have never lost the Cardinals game. That was an absolute, tragedy because the Raiders have never lost being up 20 points. So they should have won that game as well, too. There, there hasn't been one game where the Raiders were just single-handedly just beat beat down to to submission. And boy, oh boy, they should have beat the Chiefs. And we all know there was a lot of bad calls in the Chiefs game. So the Raiders easily could be 5-0, and 4-1 at this point. And Tim Brown even brought up that point, too, uh, the other day. When he said that, you know, we started off four and zero. Mike, I think you were there too when they went to the Super yep. Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl. They started off the season four and zero, and I totally remember them losing four games in a row, and then reeling off eight eight in a row to finish off the season to finish up twelve four or eleven and five. Whatever the Raiders did, they finished up nice at the end of the year. But when they went four and four, they lost some some. They people were like, I don't know about the Raiders. You know what I mean? That's the NFL for you. 
the Raiders showed you last year. They went three and zero at one point. Then they wound up going uh, three and six. And then next thing you know, they are six and six. They're trying to. They got to get to the playoffs. Raiders go ahead and win their last three out of four games, or their last four, whatever they had to do to get to the playoffs. They did. You know what I mean? So the Raiders, in a sense, to me, I think that they got enough on film and enough on tape to be confident enough to have a really good game against a Texas defense that has a very very underrated uh, Texas defense. But they're not moving much on offense. So that's where the Raiders can win this game at because they're playing against a team that's not good offensively. And this is a, a game where their defense can shine. And I think if their defense can have a confident game, the Raiders can be put on the right track. This is a must-win situation. I think the Raiders win, and I actually think they win by double digits on Sunday as well, too. Let me tell you something. Derek Carr has been on fire this year. Yeah. And when you look at the numbers, you're going to see if you get past the first game where he had three picks, which weren't all his fault. Since then, he's only thrown one interception the rest of the season up until this point. Right. You know, so he's been he's been flinging it, man. He's been tossing it around. In the Chiefs game, he had a 110 passer rating. So, I mean, he's on fire. He's, you know, hitting at 60-plus percent completion percentage clip. He's throwing for touchdown passes. He's doing everything that he can do. I think he kind of gets a bad rap sometimes. Very underrated, underappreciated quarterback in this league. And I think ultimately it's going to come down to the guy's got to win some games somehow, some way. And that's on the team to do. But as a quarterback, it's going to be hung on your around your neck for as long as you live. The time is now, my friend. The time is now, Derek Carr. you got to will this team to win. You've got the weapons. I'm concerned about Waller. I don't know what's going on with him. But let's face it. We've been waiting for him to get back to peak form for a couple of seasons now. And he's shown glimpses, but I think that Raiders need to build their game plan with the expectation that he's not going to be there. Cause I don't think he's reliable. Right. You know, it might not be his fault, but you can't rely on him being there each and every week. Right. The chiefs and in the, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Just real quick. I'll be honest with you. If I was a GM, I would be trying to trade him right now because to me, you're just being a Vegas celebrity now. And I think that's the word. I said that's worse than being an L.A. celebrity. Because in Vegas, it's small. Yep. You, you'll you go to every black tie event there is. Yep. And, and he's an arm piece for the most popular team in town. And that's the Vegas Aces. That's not the Raiders. The Vegas Aces because they just won a championship. And Kelsey Plum is like seen as the beautiful face of the WNBA that they're trying to sell. So she's she's everywhere, and he's right there drooling all over. He was in San Diego the other day at the game with her. I said, dude, you need to be over here watching some film right now. That's what you need to be doing. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you're going to play yourself out of the league, uh, i.e. Uh, Jeremy uh, with Jeremy uh, Stevens, Hope Solo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There it is. You made the Jeremy Stevens Jeremy. reference. That's hilarious, man. You know, by the way, not a lot of people know this, but he's a cousin of Maurice Jones-Drew. The same exact player Waller is. He was yeah. awesome in Seattle. And then as soon as he got with Hope Solo, it all went out the door. Totally right, man. Not a lot of people know this, but he's a cousin of Maurice Jones-Drew. So that's a little family lineage for you. They couldn't be more different uh, off the field, though. 
right. the other matchup is the Chiefs and the 49ers that I identified to be a uh, interesting matchup. I'm going to make a prediction. This is my lock of the week. I think the Chiefs are going to steamroll the 49ers. And this isn't me being a Niner hater. I think the Chiefs are coming off of a game where they're looking at the Bills as the team to beat. They feel a little bit insecure after their victory. And the one thing the Chiefs have done resiliently is coming off a loss. Andy Reid and company come back and they bring it. And I think we're going to see a steamrolling of the 49ers similar to what we saw opening day against the Cardinals where they just can't be stopped offensively and they're going to make the Niners defense look porous, especially because Niners are missing so many guys up front. So Chiefs minus two and a half, take that all day. That's my play of the week, Pop. What about you? You got any plays you like? Uh, yeah, my play of the week is going to be a little something like this. I'm going to go ahead and I think that uh, when we get down to it, a uh, great play this week is going to be the Colts uh, who are getting hot right now and playing way better football right now. And I think that they go ahead up in the Titans team coming fresh off the bye. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Now, by the way, I think both these teams are a little bit under the radar and underrated, by the way. Right. Well, the AFC South is not as a trash division because, come on, just last week the Jags were the number one team in the division. Then they lose, and what, they're 2-4 and four now? Because they, they were 2-2 two and two in the top of the division. So, you know, and they've lost two in a row since that point. So we'll see how it goes. But I like the Jags, and my dog better the week is going to be the Jaguars because I think that the New York Giants are about to come back down to earth very, like in this game. They're going to get overbet so bad on Sunday. You it's know, not uh, a dog either. The Jags are actually the favorite. You know, it's really interesting. My dog of the week was going to be the Seahawks because offensively they've really found their chemistry. But then I saw that eighty-seven percent of the money is on the Seattle Seahawks. Eighty-seven, and I know that they didn't build towers in Las Vegas by eighty-seven percent of the public being right. So watch out for that one. That could be a trap game there, especially because the Chargers haven't really put it together so far this year in an exciting manner. So I'm, I'm going to take uh, one more play, which is the Denver Broncos at home. The public sentiment is that Russell Wilson is garbage and that the Jets are peaking. No, I think the Jets had an easy part of their schedule, and the Broncos should pull this one out at mile high. I'll take the Broncos minus one as my other play. That's all the time we got this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Always love having Pop DiBiase on the show. And check him out. We give his information out every week. I'll tweet it, retweet it. Uh, thank you, Pop, for joining us. We'll see you all same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.